Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 1997 film, The Game. This will contain spoilers. So, the plot synopsis of the film is that there is a rich and miserable man named Nicholas whose father committed suicide when, on like his birthday or something, when he was a bit young. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then his brother, who appears to be like a drug addict maybe, um, comes back to see him on his birthday and then gives him like this uh, gift voucher, I guess. For something called the Consumer Recreation Services. Uh, and he kind of signs up to it and they do all these weird tests on him on like his psyche, like asking if he's killed small animals or something. Uh, and then and he's like, what's this about? It's like, oh, it's it's a game, but we can't tell you what the game is. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then they call him and they're like, oh, you didn't, your application didn't go through for the game. But then he gets home, and it turns out he, he is in the game, because there's a spooky clown. And then um, lots of strange things seem to happen around him, uh, and he's got to like try and work out what's going on. Uh, and things kind of derail, and a woman that he thought he could trust like ends up drugging him, and he wakes up in Mexico. Uh, and then he has to get back, and kind of like tries to find the offices. And then and see behind everything, and then he he realizes that uh, his brother's in on it, and they have a whole thing. And then he's and then he's on like a rooftop, and he thinks he's shot his brother, and then he tries to commit suicide like his dad. But then it turns out it was all a not a dream. It was all a birthday party. <laughs> it was a social experiment. So yeah, there you go. It was all a birthday party. Which is now my new favorite, least favorite film ending. <laughs> How long was the course party. of this film meant to last? Because <clears throat> it seemed like it went, it was lasting like over several weeks, but. If oh, I see the time Thursday, frame. Yeah. Well, yeah, because wasn't the first day like a day after his birthday? Yeah. So, so they were I think it was over late. the course of a week. Oh, it said the date on the on the thing at the end. It said like you're invited to Thinky's birthday party oh, between yeah. eleven thirty three and eleven thirty seven on this date, but I can't remember the date. Sorry. Sorry everyone. No. I mean it's just a little thing, but it just it seemed a bit weird with that twist that you know, it's showing that it's his birthday at the start and then that's like yeah. the big reveal that it's a big birthday present sort of thing. Mm-hmm. To to me, I feel like I thought it was a, about a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did Did you spot the can of haggis in every scene of the movie? There was. 
<laughs> yeah, there was a can of haggis in every scene. Well, because that's... haggis was the nickname of the cinematographer. Right. Nice. There you go. <laughs> good, good to know. <laughs> yeah, so there's a can of haggis. I think... What? What were your like general impressions then? What did you think? Like, if well, we didn't was... know the ending at first, yeah. Was... While I was watching it, I felt like it was classic, like David Fincher thriller, and I was really intrigued by the premise of like this, like really rich person spooky game, and and then when it starts to seem to kind of going off the rails, I was then interested in the mystery. Um, one thing that I was kind of disappointed in is that it felt like. It's set up like it was going to do a load of puzzles you'd have to solve. Yeah. But, like, the only puzzles were, like, get out of a sinking car or guess what this key is for. No, it's not for this thing. It's for this lift. And it's not like there were any clues about that. Yeah. I I feel like, as you were saying, it didn't really... To say it's called The Game, it didn't really feel like a game as such. Like, you'd probably imagine you'd have to solve loads of different puzzles and there'll be all sorts of clues but it was basically all just i've no idea how they anticipated he was gonna do all this or i guess there was like a degree of manipulating him because he sort of revealed one of i thought the best parts was the fact that a lot of people that he thought he could trust were actually also involved in it but Mm. i don't to say it's called the game it wasn't really a game i didn't feel like i I thought yeah it didn't handle that amazingly well and the poster has like a jigsaw puzzle of Michael Douglas's face. Yeah, you'd think but, it would all like add up to something in the end, but really it's like yeah, it, a lot it of more the felt really that it flat. Sets up. Yeah, it more felt like instead of it being like pieces of a puzzle coming together to make a whole picture, it was more like uh, the game is this thing. No, actually, it was this thing. No, actually, it's a birthday party. It's like you got one piece instead of, of the puzzle. Like, and... Yeah. It's the wrong piece. You're trying loads of different places to fit it in. It's, it's more like someone bringing like three different completed puzzles and putting them down in front of you, <laughs> and going, "Aha! It was actually this one the whole time." That that's it. That's what I felt yeah. like. Um, I mean, I was kind of uh, the movie like did give a good pace and I kind of like the atmosphere I think Finch is good at his thriller atmosphere I mean obviously this came out just after Seven which uh, I really love Um, so he kind of got that right but I think it was around the last half an hour I started to get bored because Mm. I'd assumed the thing about them like stealing his money was the last thing about uh, what CRS actually was and yeah. I was like, well, how is this going to go on for the half an hour? This is kind of boring. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I checked the runtime, I was like, ugh. I thought they were like this kind of, I don't know, like a rebellious group of like, uh, like, like, I don't know, lower class people who wanted to get revenge on like rich CEOs about like stealing the money and stuff. Mm. Uh, which like would have been... Would would have been all right, I guess. Like not great if they'd left it at that, but I would have accepted it. It's just yeah, just that ending. It just that that it was going so well up until like three quarters of the way through the film, which, like you said, I kind of got a bit bored towards the end. Um, and then just that ending just soured everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't really tell if there was. To me, I'd not necessarily a problem with the pacing, but I felt like the whole way through, it never really felt like it was progressing that well because it felt like it felt like there'd be some sort of thing that would happen, and then he'd you'd kind of see him dealing with the consequences of that, and then he'd just go and make like another decision, and then that would spiral into this other. Uh, events and they don't really add up at the end of the film so I feel like although obviously the ending doesn't leave the greatest impression I the whole way through I wouldn't say I was bored but I felt like I guess I was kind of thinking the whole way through how where are they going to go with this because the initial what he thinks is kind of the twist and what he's led to believe is as you were saying that stealing the money from him but I I don't think that would have been kind of a good resolution either so i was no i was the whole way through how is this gonna end yeah uh i mean it's it's i I wish it had more of the games (laughs) where where was the game show me the game it's doing that thing with me where like the more i think about it the more the ratings are going down in my opinion (laughs) yeah exponentially like uh tag did which funnily enough is also <laughs> the name of a game coincidence Whoa. i think not i, I mean i think because now the cinematography I'm and and the pacing was pretty good for the mo- for most of it and i think the performance was good apart from i i don't know if it was just me but like i felt like michael douglas just said his lines in a weird voice <laughs> I don't not well not not that he was putting on a voice. It was just like the way he spoke. I don't know how to put, explain. It. Yeah, I well, I didn't. I've got to say, I wasn't blown away by any of the performances. I I didn't really feel like Christine's character was very. I don't know. I I felt like she was quite a weak character to say she was so central to the plot, and that was like the the peak example of that person that he thinks he's able to establish a relationship with, but actually she's involved in the game and i really like the scene where he does get drugged and also that scene where he goes to her house and he kind of is going round and seeing the you know the in the picture frame it's got like a cut yeah. out from a magazine and stuff and half, but, uh, and the half books yeah. yeah but i just feel like a, i don't know i just felt like the acting was a bit empty in general maybe that was just I don't know if I'd say empty, but I'd I'd kind of just say adequate. I didn't really leave. I think Sean Penn was good. Do you not think Sean Penn? Yeah, but the argument with uh, Nicholas, like in the street, that was a pretty good scene. Yeah. And the cinematography, you know, it has like the David Fincher of people walking to focus and all that. I like the cinematography again, but I don't know. It just felt like a very like dark film not in terms of the the themes but it's just like if i compare it to sort of the other finch films we've done like gone girl and um social network i mean obviously they're more recent but they felt quite bright and vibrant whereas this just kind of felt a bit i don't know just a bit dull in terms of the color scheme oh i think that's just the 90s in general yeah i mean i quite like liked... talking to someone about the, the 90s style and to be honest i kind of like the 90s grainy feel it's the same with uh seven and uh, like a lot of 90s films that i can't think of off the top of my head <laughs> but i think that was more the cameras at the time 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I really like the color scheme and you know the scene where he's talking with those people he overheard uh, talking about CRS. He's in that like fancy restaurant. He's talking to them. It was mm. sort of like that dark, um, goldeny colors. I, I quite like that. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like that that might be like '90s cameras at the time because it reminds me of some other stuff. Um, reminds me of some of the early X Files episodes as well, which are also '90s. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Castaway falls into that, and um, other things. I don't know. The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Oh, sure, the Phantom Menace, why yeah, not? Yeah, and then... Not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really register Howard the Duck, obviously, which we love. Mm. The Fly has that graininess. I'm just looking through things I've rated to see what has that grainy feel. Robot Monster, that was made in the 90s. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was kind of uh, oh, Truman grainy. Show. Obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. I was saying before, I, Brazil I and Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, this kind of had similar esque themes to Truman Show, with like seeing the paranoia of him and uh, like if he's que- he's sort of questioning whether this is all revolving around him. I mean, obviously, he the they make the argument. Well, you were the one that signed up for this, whereas in the Truman Show. It's been like that since he was born, but um, I I don't think they handled that those ideas nowhere near as well as in the Truman Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, just one thing that I I didn't understand. You know, at the end when that guy gets shot, is that fake or real? That was fake. That well, was someone yeah, that got shot. Other... <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was trying to work out whether they were using live rounds, and they say that they didn't, but um, I guess that was kind of part of that suspense. You're always guessing what is actually their intention. Are they trying to get his money and kill him? or? But like the, they chose the worst possible reveal of what it actually is. It didn't feel like a film. Feel... It felt like an episode of Impractical Jokers or something. I'd feel less soured by the film if they actually did go with it. Was it all a dream? Like, because uh, at least, uh, like, the problem with it was all a dream is the fact it's overdone, and especially like it's the first thing that comes to mind when you're like younger and trying to write a story, and it's, um, it seems cool at the time. But like, this is just so obscure and out of tone with the rest of the film. Like, there was. I don't know how they could have done it better. Like maybe they could have foreshadowed it slightly. It's just like they went from this dark, gritty tone where the, he's like questioning everything. He's incredibly paranoid to like surprise. It was all a birthday <laughs> party and everyone's happy and laughing and they're all having a good I, time. And at the end, he like asks the asks the Christine out and he's like, "Yeah, that's not my main problem." Be- my main problem with the birthday party thing is that 
it's such like a messed up thing for him to put his brother through. Like he made him think he'd like his brother had killed him, and all these traumatic things about like losing all of his money and you know waking up left for dead in Mexico and it's and it's all this like irreversible trauma that his brother's gone through and the trust issues they're gonna have now and like that's just a birthday party except they're not (laughs) gonna have trust issues because did you you see them like he he seemed to just recover from it in an instant whenever he learns yeah yeah, he drove his brother to suicide as a birthday party can you explain he drove his brother to suicide and then whenever he realizes it's a birthday party all of that trauma conveniently just goes away he just (laughs) accepts it is the the only thing I'll say about like the suicide thing is that I guess that the intention was maybe he felt like his brother was on the brink because he's like living alone and you know his ex-wife and all of that maybe he felt like he was depressed and that if he showed him that suicide wouldn't like bring any help that maybe it would that would help him but it's oh, so but like so many messed up ways and just that. wrong <laughs> yeah like just like send him to a therapist I, yeah it's just it's kind of like oh it's it's so awful i mean not only is the twist like not satisfying it's messed up on like a character point of view and and then there's like how did his brother pay for it i mean i know they split the bill at the end but all we know about conrad is that he had to go to like rehab three times <laughs> So how's, where's he got the money? What and job does he have? <laughs> I thought that um, when they did the twist at the end, I th- I thought maybe there could be the potential for like a double twist and uh, along the lines of because throughout the film there's quite a lot of ideas about um, when he gets in that argument with Conrad, he's saying like he's turning, he's more and more resembling his father, who he obviously you see um. They didn't do this too often, but near the start and end, you get like those brief flashback moments to the childhood, um, and uh, so you kind of see that that the legacy of his dad and kind of that deep sense of uh, anger towards him uh, is conveyed throughout. So I thought maybe there could be some sort of double twist where. This is he has like a the idealized view of what happens once he jumps off this is that you know it's a it's a nice party and it's all this big reveal that his brother's done this for him, but then maybe that's actually not the case. Maybe he has just turned into his dad and he's he has committed suicide, and that's like the only road out of it, but just the fact that they didn't do that and they just as you were saying not only does it is you're left completely unsatisfied, but also you have the whole, like, what an awful thing to do, and, like, the character flaws associated with that are, are way too great to overlook. I just can't get over the fact that all of this messed up stuff's happened and his brother's put him through absolute hell, but the writing at the end just completely conveniently forgets that, and he's just like, oh, good one, bro. You know, he's, he's not, not left with any damage at all. He just gets back on his feet and is fine. Unlike Deborah Kara Unger, who fractured a bone in her foot and jumped into a dumpster infested with real rats while working on the film, <laughs> she did not walk away unscathed. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe even one way to make the film even like remotely better is maybe if you'd had the reveal that it was all a birthday party, but then it just left with him just having some irreversible trauma and like <laughs> you know dealing with the actual effects of it. It's like no, this wasn't this wasn't funny, guys. I'm actually just messed up now. Like maybe they could have done that, but like. <sighs> hmm. They play it off as a joke with that guy saying, like, oh, thank God you jumped off, because otherwise I'd have had to push you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of... Bits at the start, though, were good with, like... It, it felt like it set up loads of stuff without a payoff, like the clown. Um, yeah. It was like, I, I felt like clowns were going to be a theme. And the, the TV screen, I kind of felt like it was a bit cheesy, but then it helped set up the paranoia about the TV screen, like when he meets with his ex-wife and he sees the actor on there. Um, so I thought it worked in that way. But I, I feel like there must be so many things. I, I think that there are bits of film now, like if you think about it, that are supposed to point out flaws in his character, like with helping the person who he thinks is dying on the street. Um, and... I, I'm pretty sure people say that like it does point out flaws in his character, but that's the only one I can think of. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess he's stopped from like trying to fire that guy. You know, the book publisher man. Yeah. Um, and you know, being rude to waitresses, I guess that's one of his problems. <laughs> I, I've no idea what the pen bursting thing is for because it was a CRS pen that burst in his pocket. And oh, I wrote yeah. that down because I assumed it was going to be important. Uh, it was not important. <laughs> yeah, didn't he just like, go to the bathroom, wipe his shirt down, and then just it doesn't lead to anything? Yeah. Yeah. He buys like some more shirts. I feel like the majority of stuff was like that. The only thing where I, apart from the TV thing where he tracks down the guy, um, I, like directly after that, when he walks into the room and you start to see all of these people who you've seen throughout. So I think uh, you have like, his attorney, you have his um, the policemen who, you know, these people that he thought he could trust, but they're all actors. Uh, that was like the only thing where there was a twist that kind of, well, maybe if you think about it a bit more, then it might kind of foreshadow stuff from earlier on. But uh, what was the whole, it seemed like there was a, a motif of kind of keys and stuff, but I never felt like that was that relevant at the end. I, I think it was more like finding the key to the game or whatever, because the whole thing at the start was like the point of the game is finding out the point of the game. Yeah, and the point so of I the game like is finding... a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 how ridiculous does that seem now? <laughs> the kids would have been quite interesting if you know he had more puzzles to solve. The only time he really, uh, when he was, um, when the guy drove the taxi into the water and he had to use that to get out, but it, as you were saying near the start, it didn't feel like there was enough of the game or any puzzles, and he was never trying to, you know, he was trying to work out that, like, what was the point that. Well, as I don't understand, like it, it doesn't even. It kind of felt similar in a way to Gone Girl that they put. He has to go through all this to, 
bring out the best in him and kind of correct some of these character problems he has. Uh, but they never really made it that overt what they were trying to correct. Mm. Uh, yeah. What did you think of the score? Because I, I said that it was serviceable and that I remembered the high piano note. <laughs> That's all. Do you remember I the high remember. piano note? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I I said the dialogue was a bit cheesy. Was that just me? I can't remember any specific lines, but it felt. Uh, I think I meant cheesy in the way of like, um, I am saying this to move the plot forward. Way. I didn't yeah. think about it like that while I was watching it, but that does kind of make sense now I'm thinking back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, dialogue blow me away at all, as, as I was saying also with the acting. Oh, I, I'm trying to think back on like some of the things to do with what could be exposing flaws. I guess there's the, the sex room as I wrote it. I don't know if that's to do with like privacy or he doesn't really seem to be that sleazy throughout the film do we ever see any of that i don't think so no because they don't really present him as being that immoral or anything if anything it's you know his dad and his brother that you kind of yeah don't have much empathy towards but i always felt quite but he is a bit annoying well he i he always felt like just a miserable angry man that didn't really care about anyone so I wasn't that sympathetic towards him, I didn't really well, like maybe him. not, but he wasn't like, <laughs> you didn't feel like he had to go through all of this to no. like, reveal it was just a joke Yeah mm. um, I think the, the graffiti in his house was kind of like showing how much he values just like things and having this kind of perfect uh, display you know, because he gets annoyed because someone has graffitied in his house. Like, I don't think they destroy anything. It's more that it's like destroying his image. Uh, yeah, and the way that he presents himself. Maybe that's what the uh, the pen was meant to represent. When the pen. Oh, maybe. Okay. maybe. Did you notice all the all the things that were called CRS, like the cable repair service? And, I I only um, noticed the cable repair service. <laughs> There was there was one more that I can't remember right now. It wasn't just the cable repair service. Oh, the 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 cab something. Yeah. The the taxi company as well. Yeah. What was the what what was that? That was another CRS because yeah. He he saw that and then he realised that he couldn't get out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that now. I can't remember what it stood for though. No. Cab. Uh, um, road the... service. <laughs> uh, the. The. Ca- um, the cool the cab, rad service. The cool rad service. I feel like the consumer recreation service. Maybe that's supposed to mean. Say something about society, <laughs> about consumers. <laughs> oh no! Because I thought it was going to talk Just about like people wanting Joker. to take risks 
without actually having risk because that you know a lot of it was like you know oh there's always there was always a backup like you know there was a scuba diver for the taxi bit blah, 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 blah. but that was not a thing no nice <laughs> can't really think of much else to talk about there must be stuff to talk about. We've still technically got 10 minutes, according to the standard entertainment of excellence format. <laughs> we could have had <laughs> it out with. Maybe, maybe we could have a shorter episode to bring people back in after the three-week break or whatever, the month break. Well, I mean, we're going to make up with it with the <laughs> Yeah, true. Oh, what did well. you think of that like scene where... Um, where he is up on the roof with her and he's got the gun just before that final reveal because I felt like that was one of the best examples of building tension because I often feel like uh, when I've watched people like ranking Fincher films, they often say, oh, well, you know, it's kind of an average, not necessarily this one, but uh, it's like an average um, story or plot, but he's able to elevate it with all his like directorial tricks and stuff and I, I don't really feel like that was wholly the case here because I feel like what I'd like to see would be more foreshadowing more little hints because it felt like a lot of the hints that were set up would kind of then be immediately answered and uh so therefore the the twist at the end it kind of fell even more flat because there was no the only really shocking revelation was that it was um this birthday party thing you weren't like oh uh that means that that meant that on whatever you didn't really like look back on the film any differently well i didn't yeah if anything that i felt like the direction or maybe it was the editing was kind of disorientating towards the end yeah in terms of like things were just happening and it yeah. just kept going and going and going. Um, but one bit I did like with the tension building, like jumping into the, um, you know, the the bin, the big bins, and the bit in the hospital where all the lights went out and everyone disappeared. I thought that was cool. But yeah. nothing stood. You know, there were no moments that stood out like in Seven, where I can remember them like seeing the killer in. Uh, like a train station and them looking through the things and like realizing that he's burnt his fingertips off and obviously the ending with the box there's there wasn't like any standout bits for me no mm. loads of bit i'm thinking of loads of bits of seven now but, but i can't be bothered to go on about them <laughs> or gone girl i felt like was much more tense yeah even the social network had sections that had more tension yeah i guess should we just rate it so that we're not just kind of because <laughs> i feel like everyone. we just want to talk more and more and we're going to do the last three quarters thing of the game there you go bring it oh, back yeah. to <laughs> um oh, so. rating time go to entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com now yes Cool. I mean, we always <laughs> say, like, um, we always go on about how the social network's overrated, uh, but this has actually got a higher rating on IMDb. Oh, this is even more overrated. 
I do not think is justified in the slightest. I preferred the social network. Same. See, when I started watching it, I was like, wow, could this be an eight candidate? And then, like, maybe as it went on, I was like, okay, maybe this is dragging a little bit and is a bit confusing, but still, like, high sevens, right? Like, the interview level or something. No, I think... We... Wait, did we mention his t-shirt at the end? Oh, the, God. What, the one where it's like... I've I was been... drugged and left for dead in Mexico and yeah, all I got did. was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> because I, I feel that like... Was that was like the biggest punch in the face. That would have been tone. fine if he just had that, like, when they were all back to... Well, not normal, but... That would have been fine if it was a comedy movie. Well, yeah, but when they were just at the party, if he walked up and showed him that, but that was, like, the thing that he revealed that he wasn't dead with holding that yeah. up. Like, what? <laughs> and then Michael Douglas was just like, oh, yeah, you're still alive. Okay, let's go back to normal now. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway. Um... I'll pay half the the bill for putting you through hell. Although we've kind of ragged on about it, I don't think it was, like, rubbish. Yeah, because it had a good setup. Um, it was just the payoff that was awful. Yeah, and but because heavy metal was kind of like revolutionary with the animation, I've got to put it below heavy metal. I think I would actually prefer to watch heavy metal as well instead. Um, I know, though, it's so disappointing because like yeah. if it had a, had a good payoff, I would have wanted to watch this again. <laughs> yeah, but now I know the so, ending. It's just like everything's just worthless. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm gonna say a um I'm just gonna go solid six. I'm gonna do it. Ooh six <laughs> Boom. I had high expectations for this film. Maybe that's but why I'm being a bit harsh. Down. I'm gonna go six as well. Okay. I think. Cause like um. <laughs> comparing it to the next thing down on the list, Birdemic. Like <laughs> The only reason I mean we have some other stuff in between there, but Yeah. Yeah, but like Like Birdemic, I would have I'd probably prefer to watch Birdemic than this, but I guess it does still stand that Birdemic is an objectively terrible movie. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel six is pretty justified. I'll go uh You know what we're Doing a six six six, I'm gonna agree. Ooh. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Unanimous. Hell yeah. Can we uh, work out the average then? I don't know, six, um, six some intense ten. rounding. It's a oh. ten, it's it's actually Whoa. the it's best rated film six. we've ever done. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well well right. done the game. Getting ten Is it time for six. recommendations? No, no, it's not submission spotlight. spotlight. If you no, I corrected myself. I corrected myself. If you have a submission, submit it to be in the spotlight next. (laughs) No, we need to. Tom got that wrong, so we need to set up lights. No, I, I, I fixed it. Get you to correct yourself and never (laughs) do that again. We need to record a like a little audio of like Tom scolding his future self, saying, "Grr, I can't believe you forgot the submission spotlight," and just play it on air every time he forgets. Correct. Yeah. Remembering of submissions. That's there you go. Boom. CRS. Ooh. <laughs> um. Okay. 
so I've watched a lot of things because it's been about a month. So I'm going to talk about the things that I've watched. I'm sure Ben and Ollie can join in with one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched the Wes Anderson film Rushmore, which uh, was really good. It's got lots of great comedy. It's kind of, it's about like a guy who he goes to like this really prestigious school and does like loads of extracurricular activities and is head of all of them, but has really bad grades. Um, and it's it's really enjoyable. It's got a great performance from Bill Murray. It's like this point where Bill, Bill Murray started being good again. Because <laughs> there's like 80s comedy Bill Murray and then he kind of went, ooh, and then Wes Anderson brought him back. Uh, and it's got great direction and editing and memorable characters and moments. Uh, and it's just a really great film. I also watched Once Upon a Time in America, which was worth the four hours uh, which it takes to watch it. You, you've got to be in for the long haul. Um, it's got like it's Sergio Leone so I mean the cinematography is great it's got one of my favourite shots of all time in of like this really wide shot uh, of like 1920s New York with two buildings and like kids running in front of it and then looming in the background is the Brooklyn Bridge it just looks amazing uh, and it, it's a, and a brilliant gangster film and deals with you know stuff about betrayal and friendship and relationships uh, and like greed and lust and you know it's kind of one of those with an ambiguous ending which is always interesting but ambiguous in a good way rather than like a well what the heck actually happened way um i also watched this is going to go on for a while everyone so uh stay with me <laughs> uh i also watched firefly the sci-fi western tv show um which is it's just really enjoyable good characters good action um I've, you can tell that like, everyone really enjoyed being on the show and it's i just kind of watched it for like the tone because i really enjoy that kind of like rough and tumble ragtag group on like this worn down spaceship and but they don't like have the money to use laser guns so they just use like pistol like revolvers and ride horses and stuff uh and then like have do heists it's pretty great and talking of that type of tone the first and second episode of the bad batch has come out which ollie and ben have also seen is that correct i mean i haven't but ben oh i thought thought you had ollie has so i'll take the credit and ollie can have an intellectual chat about a children's cartoon (laughs) 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 um the first episode was an hour and 15 minutes which i was very surprised at but yeah. I felt like it was really well paced. The, out of the two episodes, I think the first one is better. Oh, um, by far. I, 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 the yeah. second one, second one I, I thought like, was good. It just wasn't yeah. as good. It, they do a really good job. Like, obviously, you don't have to have watched The Clone Wars to understand what's going on. But it would definitely it help. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> obviously, these characters are first um, introduced in. Yeah. Let's be honest, pretty unremarkable episodes in uh, season seven of the clone Wars, i liked those episodes they were fine <laughs> okay. they were average i really liked them <laughs> um but this takes place like uh i think it's kind of during the last arc of the clone yeah. Wars, and then like also during order the 66. last half of episode three yeah, yeah. Uh, order 66 so... gets executed 
It's, it's uh, interesting that we get to kind of see like the transition into an empire. I don't know if we've yeah. seen that much in any of the other Star Wars stuff. No, and it definitely does have some callbacks to other episodes because I guess this is kind of a spoiler if you've seen like season two of the Clone Wars, but not season seven. Because uh, <laughs> I think it's season two where Echo, uh, he's, it's revealed he's still alive. In the, Was it that long of a gap? Wars. I think so. Wow, um, wow. five seasons. <laughs> I'm pretty sure wasn't <laughs> that's it? crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it kind of it doesn't help that like I binged all of it, but unlike Same, you, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but you you in the episode that he one of the early episodes he's in. That's also one where uh, Tarkin's in as well, and he also appears in uh, episode one of this show. So there's kind of a tension there. But it is as you were saying, it's really interesting seeing that. Um, the emergence of the Empire and kind of, I'm guessing later on we'll kind of get that transition from the clones to stormtroopers, uh, which has kind of been referenced. Uh, but I I felt like the the character, like the Bad Batch characters, work a lot better in these episodes because, uh, well, we also have a another Clone Wars character who's features in the second episode, like not a major character from the Clone Wars, but he's he was in a couple of episodes. Uh, but we've also got a few new characters who are quite cool. Yeah, uh, Echo died or died near the end of season three. Oh, just to uh, well, just sorry. checking. <laughs> How dare you, Ollie? But uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're doing well at kind of differentiating the characters, and the voice work is good, and that it's just like one guy doing all the clothes. Um, Pick up D. Bradley which is, Baker. Yeah, and he's he's doing a pretty good job of making sure you can always differentiate between them. Uh, and yeah, I I just remember that first episode having like great action and uh, like fast pacing and just kind of seeing this you know where you're switching from clones to stormtroopers and um, changing to an empire and how you get people on board and and the second episode as well about like the chain codes. I thought was interesting, which makes me. But I'm I'm also like a Disney anti passports. <laughs> I don't know what the the message is. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes. Yeah, so Dave Filoni is a cool guy. Uh, and yeah, now for the other half of my recommendation. Also, the the um <laughs> second episode was. Half an hour, which is slightly longer yeah. than the Clone Wars. And I think there's going to be yeah. like 16 episodes or something. Yeah, so. 16. So look forward yeah. to that. Yep. Uh, I also Donnie Brasco, which is Johnny Depp, Al Pacino, gangster movie, undercover cop. Um, great stuff. <laughs> Based on true story, uh, it's got a lot of great things, like a kind of tragic ending, although you don't really know what happens. Uh, and just interesting conflicts uh and i watched the tv show which season two is still coming out actually week by week this time with alan partridge which sees alan partridge go on like a it's basically a parody of the one show if our british viewers have watched that um kind of like prime time laid back like i think it's technically called a magazine show where it kind of has like news stories but not really 
on like bits of uh like tiny documentaries within them and they kind of bring on guests and stuff but it's got like peak alan partridge awkward humor and uh you know just i don't know it's really funny but there are bits that are kind of duds um I, i wouldn't say it's like as good as the i'm alan partridge series but there's lots of funny bits so worth a watch and then okay last two we're nearly there dallas buyers club which is about um people who joined the aids crisis would like turn to basically people that would try and like smuggle in new drugs that weren't fully tested or um fda approved just to kind of get any treatment because this was before there was anything to help with hiv and stuff like that uh so it kind of deals with like the health system and whether people with um terminal illnesses should be able to like take more experimental drugs and also you know good character moments and um lots of sad bits what well a weird choice i felt making it was having jared leto play a trans woman instead of maybe like an actual trans woman um and also it's matthew mcconaughey playing like a who you assume is a bisexual man but i i'm pretty sure he's straight but you know representation of film is representation so i guess that's fine and then the final one i watched is castaway which i think lives up to the hype that i'd heard will um the like middle hour and a half doesn't have any dialogue or, or music from what i remember but I felt like the pace was great and I even felt like I wanted to watch more of that section uh, and it does well of like setting up the character and kind of deals with about what people's purposes are you know like what what reasons do people have to kind of even like carry on living in a philosophical way and uh, lots of interesting stuff and the the bit with the plane crashing is also quite intense uh and yeah so you can watch castaway as well because it has my seal of approval do love my the tom Sha- shaquille o seal <laughs> seal of approval <laughs> good to know <laughs> uh do you two have any it's recommendations thing on the front yeah of, the, the shaquille o seal of approval the, the tom shaquille o seal <laughs> In fact, yeah. go to go to entertainmentoexcellence.weebly.com slash Shaquille and uh, I'll post the image there. <laughs> Great. Do you have anything, Ben? Uh, I do, surprisingly. <gasps> oh. Um, nice. I actually started watching this a while ago, um, but only got to the third season uh, recently because I've been quite busy recently. Uh, it's you've probably heard of it. It's um, it's called Killing Eve. Um, it's a sort of it's a drama sort of with dark comedy elements in it, and um, was uh, on the on the BBC. It's uh, based on a series of books called the Villanelle uh, novels, but I haven't read any of them. It mainly revolves around. Um, this uh secret this this like um agent in the british government um 
who is who is originally like looking at a series of murders um who are committed by uh this Russian woman who goes by Villanelle. Um and it sort of starts off um pretty typical, but then it sort of progresses into something different where the the two women kind of become obsessed with each other and um things start to take like weird turns because of that. Um it's been called a a subversion of the the femme fatale trope which i think i kind of agree with um it's mainly just it's really it's really good writing and uh the original uh creator left after the first season but it kind of kept its quality um throughout the second and third which like not a lot of shows will like do when the original creator leaves um it's just it's really good um just watch it <laughs> there is a there's meant to be a fourth season the final season uh coming out i think either later this year or like next year um which has obviously been delayed due to the pandemic um I, i'll definitely be looking at that looking Same, look at that because when it comes i've out. been watching it groove does it have the <laughs> tom shaquille of approval <laughs> Yeah, it does. I Ooh. I think season two is probably my favorite season, from what I remember. And yeah, then season one, then season three. Yeah, season three is my least favorite out of the lot so far, but it's but it's still intriguing. Um, still good. It's all good. Yes. Ollie, anything? Right, yeah, my recommendation. Uh, it's another cartoon. Um, no. Oh no. <laughs> Well, not animation, but unlike uh, the Bad Batch, this is definitely not for kids. Uh, it's Ooh. invincible. Didn't you already uh, recommend that? No. <laughs> I mean, oh, maybe I'm going insane. Happy oh, maybe birthday. you just talked about it in the in the group chat. <laughs> um. So, it's <laughs> an Amazon Prime original, uh, based on a series of comics and. Just like the boys, it's very violent. Uh, maybe even more so. Um, but it's basically it's very difficult to tell you what it's about without spoiling the end of the first episode, which I won't do. Um, but it's about this boy uh, called Mark, whose dad is Omni Man, this like the most powerful superhero on Earth. Um, and oh, this is really difficult without saying what happens. But uh, basically, as the show goes on, he's trying to live up to, you know, he knows that he's going to develop powers at some point, but he doesn't know when it's going to happen. Uh, so that's kind of like the the theme of the first episode. But then when he does develop his powers, it's kind of him dealing with that. Uh, the next like the middle episodes um they kind of follow very much like an isolated story each week that um they do have some like underlying storylines that are are brought up later on which i think i think the individual episodes work well and they they're quite a good um 
I guess sort of coming of age sort of thing with looking at Mark's character and how he's dealing with these powers and the different threats that he's having to combat. But I think that the the real um kind of standout parts are the bits that uh that are kind of brought up more heavily in the last two episodes, which are definitely the best because um it's difficult to say, but uh there's like the stuff that's going on with Omni Man throughout is really interesting. There's also some of the side characters that are um there play a very significant role later on. So I'd recommend that. I think it's been renewed for a I think a second and a third season. So uh if you've got Amazon Prime then watch Invincible. I will Ollie. I will. Thank you. Indeed. I hope it gets Tom's Shaquille seal of approval. <laughs> it doesn't. I've not watched it yet. No, I'm just saying I hope. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Can you give it like a, a a tentative seal of approval? No. Oh no. Fine. I've got to watch it. Oh well, I said it's good, so I'm definitively right. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay, so going going back to uh, the game for one moment, you know how it ends with the stupid birthday party twist? Well, yeah. guess whose birthday it is one day <gasps> previously before you hear this? Ooh. That's uh, right. Is it the episode five, A Quiet Place of Entertainment of Excellence podcast? It is indeed. It is the one-year anniversary of us (laughs) relaunching the podcast, so that is cool. Uh, Yeah. Listen to the episodes if you want. The reason this happened was uh, Tom mentioned that uh, Quiet Place Part 2 comes out soon, and we were like, oh, we must be approaching the one-year anniversary. Let's check when we did the first one, and it was today as of the day we (laughs) recorded. So, yeah, yeah, it's annoying like, part two hasn't come out yet. That would have been really nice to like have it a one year later thing, but well, unfortunately we didn't have it. But if John Kozinski, if you're listening to us, can you hook us up with a, a reviewer copy by next week? That would be pretty cool. We would. So next week, if we're not um, doing A Quiet Place Part 2 in advance, we'll be doing something else. Yeah, we will. Have we actually decided? Uh, uh, we just do the oh, next we have thing to say, don't we? Why don't we do Joker 1991? <laughs> sure. No, don't, no. It's, it's on the falling list. Da- What's falling down? The thing we'll That's be doing another, in... Uh, Michael Douglas film. Oh, is it? It looks quite similar, to be honest. I think it's yeah. just been getting like, angry about... So Society. therefore we should have a, a break and do Joker 1991 first. It's on Netflix. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I mean, put it yeah. this way, the one after that's Howard the Duck and we have to do everything in the order it is on the list. So, yeah, Joker 1991. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. listening. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, see you. Yeah. Alright, see ya. Yeah, that's it.